You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What do you think about when you're asked about AI, artificial intelligence? You might think about search algorithms or social feeds or robots, but what you might not be thinking about is national security. Kelsey Piper covers AI for Vox, and she has been writing about how AI is used in the national security world. Hey, Kelsey. Hello. How are you doing? So there's this new report from the National Security Commission on Artificial Intelligence. Give us a quick, high-level overview of what this government body found. So this was put together in 2018 as sort of a response to the fact that projecting out 10, 20 years, we see the potential for AI to really change how we do everything. And that's something that the military likes to be on top of. So this commission sort of looked at the national security implications of artificial intelligence and then ended up with a bunch of takeaways. A major one is they want the U.S. to be the world leader in AI by attracting top AI researchers from all over the world. And they think of that as critical to U.S. national security. And what is this commission exactly? Tell me, why was it set up? Why is it important for the federal government to be trying to use AI national security at all? So AI is kind of a thing where there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of people saying, oh, we're doing AI. But behind that, there really is a potential for a transformative technology, something that's going to change how we do everything, including fighting wars, including making economic decisions. Uh, The U.S. government, of course, has an interest there. So in 2018, this commission was set up to sort of dig into some of the longer term implications of AI and figure out what policy recommendations made sense for the U.S. government. Their major recommendation is they want the United States to be the world leader in AI. They think that every other problem related to AI, making it comprehensible, making sure that it does what we want it to do, making sure that it stays under human control, all of that's easier if it's happening in a democratic country like the United States. And so a lot of their recommendations are focused on enhancing the AI industry here, attracting top researchers, getting them visas, stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, do you think AI's role in national security is often overlooked. I mean, to the average person, uh, this might this might be entirely new territory to them. Like, tell me about what AI is used for uh, in our economy, in society, and why people might be surprised to hear that the government is exploring its uses in national security at all. Yeah. So I think AI is used for all kinds of things. You know, news feeds, trading stocks, uh, translating and transcribing text, digital pictures, taking restaurant orders, writing, you know, fake product reviews. It's lots of stuff, but none of that has obvious, huge national security implications. And thinking about the national security implications of AI is not really thinking about those present technologies. It's looking into the future. Like well before we had a nuclear bomb, it was clear that it was going to have massive national security implications. And I think AI is less like a nuclear bomb and more like electricity in that it enables tons of new technologies and it just changes how we do tons and tons of things, including fighting wars, but not at all just fighting wars. So as computer systems move away from being narrow AI that can solve one specific problem in a good way to more generalized problem-solving abilities, 
it's a little hard to anticipate exactly what challenges there's going to be, but there are going to be a lot of challenges, and many of them are, are national security. Mm-hmm. So tell me about the difference between what's called narrow AI and this more general AI. Walk me through that. So narrow AI is everything we can do today. Um, computer vision, training computers to look at a picture and pick out what the objects in it are, um, is an example of narrow AI. We train a computer to solve a specific problem, uh, and that's what you get. Right. General AI doesn't exist yet, um, but it is something that might exist 10, 20, 30 years from now, where we are able to design one AI mm. system that can solve tasks across a variety of environments instead of having to design separate AI systems for separate tasks. Okay, so now that we understand how we got to this place, Kelsey, one of the things you write about is that this arms race framing, which is often used in sort of describing AI that we're competing against China, that you know, it's uh, like like with the nuclear bomb, you know, we're competing for the, the latest, greatest technology to deploy in, in warfare or national security. Um, why do you think that is wrong? Why do you think that we shouldn't be seeing this as some sort of, you know, real politic competition? So I think when you say 10, 20, 30 years from now, there's going to be a very powerful weapon, then the natural response is, okay, well, we want it first. You know, China is committing all kinds of human rights violations. There's an ongoing genocide. We don't want them to have this Mm -hmm. technology, which they can use for bad things. We want us to have it. I'm sympathetic to that in some ways. I do think it would have been bad if the Nazis had gotten the nuclear bomb. I do think that there's reason to prefer that a democratic country like the U.S. be an AI leader over a country like China. But I think that's only like half the problem or maybe even less than half the problem. Because with something like AI, where a lot of what we don't know is how to use it usefully and safely at all, doing it Mm -hmm. in the U.S. is really far from sufficient for doing it right or doing it in a way that like makes the world a better place. So By all means, I think it's true that we should offer more visas to to researchers and make sure that the U.S. is a world leader in AI. But we shouldn't assume that as long as we're in the lead, things will go well. And we should, in fact, be willing to slow down in order to do things right, um, even if we feel like, well, if we slow down, somebody else might get ahead. Because getting things right is really, really important here. And AI can be a national security threat to the United States, too, right? It's not as if, you know, it's obviously uh, an offensive weapon, potentially, but um, the U.S. needs to be thinking about how, as a, in its defensive posture, how it's going to handle other countries having AI capabilities. Yeah, there's there's a lot to think about from a national security perspective. And there's a lot to think about if we build an AI, but we build it badly, that can be as much of a threat to us as anything China builds. Like uh, AI systems that are not designed to be responsive to feedback and listen to what we want uh, are a real potential problem as they get more powerful. So it's not just, is this in bad hands? It's also, is this badly designed? Kelsey Piper, thanks so much for joining us. You can read more of her work at Vox.com. Thanks, Kelsey. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 